Welcome to Maranatha, for those of you who are here, and welcome to those who uh, may be watching us online uh, later on here today or in the week. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us. We have some uh, yellow sheets, so we should a reminder about those. If you are new, visiting with us, or if you're a regular tender and you have a prayer request, you want to add on there. But certainly if you're new or visiting, we'd love to know that you've joined us uh, this morning and get some of your information to stay connected with you and let you know about things that are coming up in the weeks ahead here at Maranatha and help you get plugged in if you would like to do that. Uh, one of our uh, needs here at Maranatha currently is for some additional nursery volunteers. So if you love uh, investing in the littles, the little littles, and holding babies and loving on, on those kids, uh, please talk to Elizabeth Bukestead. Uh, we'd love to make sure that we have a good rotation of people helping in the nursery um, on Sunday mornings. Uh, and if there's enough people helping, then you don't have to help as often. But uh, that is not just childcare. I see that as um, our beginning stages of investing in discipleship and loving on those little children, loving on their families and their parents so that they can come in here and, and, and worship, um, sometimes with maybe a little less distractions. And so if you're moved uh, by God to uh, consider that, pray about it, talk to Elizabeth Bukestead or contact the church and we'll get you connected with her. We are going to be celebrating communion later today. If you did not pick up one of the little uh, cups, uh, Pastor Cody and Darren are going to be walking around. So just let them know if you would like to participate. Again, here at Maranatha, we do open communion. So anyone who is, has a relationship with Jesus Christ is welcome to join us uh, later on as we celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper together. And so, yeah, just let them know. As I share the rest of the announcements, they'll walk around and try to catch anybody that missed one of those uh, all-inclusive little cups that we've been trying out recently. Uh, we do have uh, some special things coming up here as we're looking forward to Easter, to Resurrection Sunday, to Good Friday, and all that is involved with that. We have uh, some Seder meals. Uh, we mentioned that last week, but the Seder meal sign-up is at the welcome desk today again. Attendees of Maranatha who do not have students in the soul garage, we encourage you to sign up for Tuesday, March 28th at 6 p.m. So those who um, are not uh, a part of, those who do not have students in the soul garage, sign up for the Tuesday, but then students and their families uh, are encouraged to sign up on that Wednesday, the 29th. So in place of youth group, uh, we're going to be over here in the fellowship hall for that one, um, but the, the Tuesday one is going to be in the gathering place. But we would love to have everybody sign up for that who is planning to participate so that we can have an accurate head count um, and make sure we have enough supplies on hand. If you were part of that a number of years ago, it's a neat time together, and, and uh, we'd love to um, have you join us for that. Easter services include Good Friday service on April 7th at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. Uh, there is no uh, child care typically provided for that. So just take note of that. Uh, but Easter services will be 9 a.m. and... No, sorry. It says 9 a.m. and 10... What did we decide on? Huh? What does it say up there? It does. Okay. I thought we had, I thought we had gone with the other numbers. So, so there's, there you have it. Question on that? No. You're just, just praising Jesus. Oh, she needs communion. I thought maybe you're just praising Jesus back there. Okay. So 9 a.m. and 10:45. We had kind of gone back and forth on whether uh, how we would do that. But yes, 9 a.m. and 10:45. So court concurrent, concurrent with kind of the times we are doing now for service and our uh, 
adult discipleship groups as well. So 9 a.m., 10.45, two services, no Sunday school, no uh, discipleship groups on Easter Sunday. The theme is looking for Jesus. Mark 16.6 is is, uh, one of the main verses we're going to be unpacking together that morning. Invite your friends. Invite those neighbors, co-workers, people that maybe don't regularly attend uh, service together. We're going to be looking at the evidence for the resurrection. Our adult discipleship groups are starting round two. So we're doing a 10-week session. So we finished that last week. We're starting round two of the studies. Three of them are repeating. So if one of those... Uh, was one that you were you went to one, but you were hoping to maybe also do another one. Now's your chance today to jump into another one of those studies. It's going to be the study of Daniel is a new one. Um, that was going to be with Justin Peterson in the gathering place or the gym area over in the other building. Uh, competing worldviews and apologetics with uh, Michelle Nord and Greg Steger will be in the large meeting area of the Soul Garage. Colossians with uh, Ben Bay in the Soul Garage Cafe area, and then how to study the Bible with Pastor Cody here in the back of the sanctuary. So we'd love to have you join us. Uh, Maybe you missed out uh, on the other one uh, for whatever reason, and you'd love to jump in. We'd love to have you. Uh, Women's Braveheart Pickleball will be Thursday, March 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. in the Gathering Place. So RSVP to Patty Smith if you would like to participate. And we'd like to welcome some new members. Uh, we've had, we have a process, if you aren't aware, for membership here at Maranatha, where if you're interested in learning more about Maranatha and what does it mean to be a member, or just about the history of the church and the, the values and the, the core values that we have as a church, we periodically do a membership class. Once you finish the class, so you can fill out an application if you want to go to the next step and become uh, apply for membership. And then uh, there's just a, a process that culminates in, in an interview with uh, the elders. And then uh, once you are approved, then we like to celebrate that. So we have several couples. I think we may have mentioned Brett and Son- Sonia Higley before, um, but uh, we've got uh, Brent and Sonia Higley. Uh, they became members, uh, I think, at the end of December, early January time frame. And then just most recently, Scott and Shanna Schweitzer and Maurice and Gina Peterson. So let's give them a round of applause and welcome them in as members. We will, in the weeks ahead, have a, a little, I sent out some questions to them uh, to kind of get to know you, and that's something new that we've been trying to do in the last year or two as well. So we'll have a picture of them uh, up on the screen in the weeks ahead with a few little uh, interesting things to get to know them, just to help people put faces with names as we're very uh, big right now in this season, trying to help people connect and get to know one another. You may find out you have something in common with them, you've seen them, you didn't know their names, now you will, and now you have no excuse for not going up and saying hello and starting a conversation up with one another. So uh, look forward to that in the weeks ahead. And if you're interested in membership, uh, talk to one of the pastors. We'd love to, uh, I don't know if we have another one scheduled at this point, but if we have interest, we will schedule one. The final announcement, exciting announcement, celebration, the birth of Joel Michael Brown. Pastor Aaron and Corinne's baby was born. Do we have a picture? There he is. Um, On March 13th. And so... uh, yeah, if you want to celebrate with them, you probably saw some pictures on Facebook or uh, connected with them. But with that, let me pray for our service this morning again and also just pray a blessing over uh, the Brown family with this exciting new stage of life that they're in. Heavenly Father, we come uh, before you again and just thank you for this time that we can worship you. We thank you for the gift of life, and we celebrate with Pastor Aaron and Corinne um, the birth of their new baby, and there's, I know there's 
numerous other families in the church that recently have had babies as well. And what a joy and a blessing that is. It is truly a gift from you. I pray uh, for all families as they enter into that stage. Pray for the Browns as they uh, become um, parents and uh, that you would give them great wisdom. We pray for little Joel Michael that he would one day truly understand the message of salvation, the gospel, the good news message, and that he would respond to it and uh, that we as a church family could come around them and in other families in our church as well and helping to disciple the little ones and point them to Christ as a church family doing that together, supporting one another, encouraging one another. Pray as Pastor Cody comes to bring the word that you would speak through him to our hearts, that we would be responsive, that we would hear from you, from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, great morning, amen? Now you notice, usually I say good morning, right? But today is a great morning. I'll get right to the point. Because of my sin, I deserve death. Total separation from God. I'm the one that should be condemned. Today is a great, great morning. This is what I live for. In fact, if you got a picture, I just this morning took a picture of my desk, just left it as it is, and uh, you can see I'm all about the cross. Sorry, I got my little... uh, pen holder there. It looks from a revolver piece there. Yeah, that's there too. Holds pens and pencils. But this morning, we're going to talk about something so great, so wonderful, because I am so unworthy of his grace. And if you think you are, then you don't understand Christianity, right? I am someone who's bad, I've done things in my life that are just so heinous, so wicked compared to the holiness of God. And this is the mystery to me. God could have, in his way, snapped his fingers and be like, all right, you're saved, come to heaven, join me. But instead, God took on flesh. And took my place. This is more than great. This is profound. This is wonderful. And this great cross event is the pinnacle of this redemptive story. And that's what we're going to deal with today. The whole historical of this redemptive process comes to this point. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be diving into the beauty of what Christ did for me. So I ask you to take your heart and just go, God, here I am. Speak to me by your Spirit. And again, I, I, before going through this series, you know, looking at it, we're going to look at Messiahship, then discipleship, and then, of course, we're going to be looking here at the Messiah again, and, and I just felt like it just became routine, like we know these stories. How many have taken communion before, right? Yeah, okay, we know these stories. 
I thought, Lord, help us as a church. Make anew the beauty of what this is. So I ask that you just take your heart and say, God, speak to me this morning. Amen? I know Pastor Tony prayed already, but I'm going to pray again. So Jesus, we come before you and we pause. And I know that for some of us, this is routine. For some of us, we've done communion before and we we know all the parts of this. Some of this story is something that we've heard so many times. And I pray that we would not become lull and dull in this. That this would become fresh, anew again. So Spirit, do Your work. Speak to us as we sit at the feet of Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, this part that we're in, so if you take your Bibles, go to Mark. We are in this series with Christ in School of Discipleship and mainly meeting Jesus. Meet the Master. So Mark chapter 14. This is framed within what we call Passion Week. Passion comes from this Latin word meaning to suffer. To suffer, to have agony, to endure. And we also call it Holy Week. And this is the week between Palm Sunday and Easter. And if you take a look at our next slide here, this is kind of mapped out what is happening. So Sunday was the triumphal entry. This is Palm Sunday where we wave the branches and we've already gotten to that part in Mark chapter 11. So Sunday is that. So this is Pash Week. Then we got money, the cleansing of the temple and returning back to Bethany. If you recall, Bethany's a little bit outside of Jerusalem there. They would go each day to that. Except, so yeah, then on Tuesday was the fig tree and the Olivet Discourse. We spent time looking at that. And then Wednesday, they just stayed in Bethany. Not much happened, but much rest and preparation. Then Thursday was the preparations for the Passover meal and the, the farewell discourse. In each of the gospel, they have that, although Mark has a very small part of the farewell discourse. John is wonderful in that area where he just expounds greatly on what Jesus shared with his disciples. Then Friday is the betrayal, the arrest, and the, the trials, the crucifixion and burial. Then his death, Saturday. But then, praise God for Sunday, amen? Amen, that's why we celebrate. We gather on Sundays to remember that. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, this week, we're going to see, is, is covered in, in multiple chapters. So chapters, I kind of mapped it out here. I probably should have put it on the slide there. Chapters 11 through 13 are Sunday through Wednesday. That's kind of the prelude to it all, you could say. It's broken up in three parts. Then you've got chapters 14 and 15. That's this passion aspect here. And then his death. But then chapter 16, we will land on his resurrection. So today we're going to cover some of the details covering Thursday night. Mainly the Passover meal and what Jesus was doing when he brought the new covenant. So here's what I wrote down. The Passover is about freedom through sacrifice. 
God provides a sacrifice to save those who trust in him. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And we've got up there this, this verse out of 1 Corinthians here. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So take your Bibles and let's go to Mark chapter 14, starting with verse 12. I'm going to kind of break this down into three parts as we look at this. The first part here is the preparations. On the first day of the festival of the unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went to the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. I love how Jesus already knows and has planned this out. And Jesus is like, go do this, this, and it's, it's all going to happen. Now the Passover is the most important Jewish religious festival there is. The Passover's the main one. I don't know what it is for you in your household, what's the favorite thing to celebrate? For little kids, it's probably their birthday and Christmas, right? Because they're getting gifts. I don't know what it is for you, but this for the Jewish religious festivals, of all of them, this is the main one. It's a celebration to help each generation remember personally, not just like, oh, this is what happened, but you need to remember this personally, that God delivered the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt. Much of this is based upon what is written in Exodus chapter 12 mainly and into 13 and into 14. The Israelites celebrated their deliverance by God freeing them from the bondage they had in Egypt. So the Passover, this is what gets a little confusing for us, the Passover meal would take place at one meal on one night. But the festival of unleavened bread would continue for a week. So eventually, those eight days were called the Passover. So often we'll hear this festival of unleavened bread, but then there's the Passover. The Passover is just one meal, one night. Soon it all became called the Passover. And the meal was observed on the 14th day of Nisan. And by our calendar, that usually ends up in the ending of March or the beginning of April. In fact, for this calendar year, it lands on April 5th for the Passover meal itself. At this time, thousands of people are going to Jerusalem. And they're getting ready. So imagine a city that's already full of people. Now more people are gathering, trying to get all the stuff. The markets, can you imagine some of the stores? It's kind of like when we, remember when we didn't have much toilet paper? You know, everyone's grabbing things, you know? The stores, the marketplace, everything is just being plundered, it seemed like. It's a place where everyone was going. Thousands were looking for a place to get the preparations, get the food items, and find a location. This required many preparations as seen in this passage. They had to 
get a lamb, prepare a lamb. They had to find unleavened bread, find herbs, I call them herbs, but herbs, okay? Wine, other ceremonial food. And we are accustomed to this kind of depiction of it by a famous painting by Da Vinci. Take a look at this. This is the famous thing that you've seen. And a little side note, just so you know, he was not alive. And he, this is not an actual depiction of what he saw, what Jesus did. Okay? This is an artist's rendering. And often people kind of think this is the way it was. In fact, it's interesting. My father-in-law wrote an article, I think it was for Christianity Today, about the Da Vinci Code called Decoding the Da Vinci. Anybody heard of the Da Vinci Code or seen the movie? Just someone who was very, Mr. Brown is very against the Catholic Church and Christianity, so wrote this kind of scandalous, at times, heretical things. And he goes, well, this painting here describes this and this. And he's like, dude, it's just an artist's painting. Jesus and his disciples did not sit at a big rectangular table like we have on wooden chairs. He didn't do that. Instead, at time, here is a small example of what it was like when they would have a meal. The table was very low. I think I got another picture. Yeah, like this. The table was very low, and they didn't sit around the table like we would. They wouldn't say like Indian style sit. You know, I don't know if you can even use that word today. Sorry about that. Yeah, crisscross. There you go. Thank you. All right. But here they would recline, and here's a great picture of that. They would lay kind of at the table, and their feet would be up, and they would be closer together than almost you would be if you were in chairs. This is how it was done. Low, close, together, and it was fellowship. And the table, and I, I just got simple things here, just, to, just a simple depiction of it, but it would be full of stuff. Even more than what is at that table. I was trying to find a good artist rendering of it, but for the pastor, it would be full of items, not just the bread and the wine, as we always imagine. There's more. So this small example is what we have here. The meal was eaten right after sundown, and the meal contained these things here. And these steps. A prayer blessing of the festival and the wine and the drinking of the first cup. There's certain cups that were drank. Then food was brought in. The unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, the greens, the fruit, the fruit was on a skewer, the roasted lamb, fill the table with all that stuff. Then, I love this part, the son would ask, why is this night different than every other night when we gather together? And the head of the family, sometimes it would be the, the father or the, the grandfather, would answer with the Exodus story. Followed by a praise to God for the past and the future redemption that will come to his people. And they would read out of the first part out of either yeah, Psalm 113 through 15, the halal. And in Hebrew, halal means to praise. So they'd sing those praises. Then they would drink out of the second cup. Then they would take the bread, bless it again, and break it. 
Then they would eat the main meal. Finally, I mean, as a little kid, you're like, come on, all this food here. They had to wait. But again, the main was, thing was, no, let's just not eat the food. We need to know the story. Then they would have the main meal. Then the third cup would be passed around. And everyone would drink out of that same cup. And then another halal, which was out of uh, Psalms 116 to 118. They would sing these songs and praise the Lord for his great salvation. And then the fourth cup ended the meal. So there were steps, there were certain cups you had to drink. There were times when they would take the bread, bless it, set it down, pray for it. Little kids waiting for all the food. And they'd have this grand meal. And we, I'm excited about this, we as a church, we're going to do something like this for you in a week and a half. It's called the Seder meal. Seder because Seder means order. There's a certain order to this. First cup, second cup, third cup, you know, all these things. There's a certain order to this. In fact, the leader of the Seder, which I'm going to do, is I'm going to explain all the different parts of it. We're going to have a family representing a Hebrew family being a part of this. The Seder is to give you a physical picture. This Passover meal was a physical picture of the beauty of God's salvation which is ultimately found in Jesus. That's why we're doing a Seder service. And I want to say this too. We only do a Seder service like I've done it once since I've been here. I'll probably only do it once every five years. Partially because I don't want people to go like this is the main thing we need to do. It is beautiful. We're going to have bitter things in all the different parts, but we're going to see how it points to Jesus, how they brush away sin. <clears throat> but I don't want people to get confused thinking that's the main thing. Because guess what? We do this once every five years because we don't want you to think that that replaces communion. Communion is what replaces the Passover meal. Mark's telling of the story is to focus on the fact that Jesus has fulfilled the Passover. And we Christians, we no longer have to have a Passover meal. We no longer have to find a lamb and sacrifice it. We do communion. Because we today know that Jesus, he instituted this new covenant. And he's the lamb, amen? And by his blood, we are free. Communion is our festival celebration of salvation found in Jesus, our Passover lamb. So I'm excited. So I encourage you, on your way out today at the table, we've got sign-up sheets. Just to explain it again, we're doing two of these meals. On Wednesday, if you have a student that's involved with the youth group, junior high and senior, or middle school, I always call it junior high, all these old language words I'm using today, Middle school and older, if, you're, if you have a student in that, that's your night as a family because you'll sit together at a table as a family. Wednesday night, we'll do that for the Soul Garage people, okay? But if you don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, a student that old in that age group, then the rest of you, you will join us Tuesday night. Does that make sense? So go to the sheet, sign your name up. I'm excited to do this. It'll be a wonderful time to see how this all, what they are doing points them to Jesus. In fact, I'm going to do something maybe kind of odd right now. Do you know that coming up, what is it, did I say April 5th? 
Jewish people around the world are going to have a Passover meal. And they're going to do a service, a meal like this, that ultimately points to Christ, right? Let's take a moment and pray that some of them would find Jesus in this. Is that okay with you? So let's pause. Father, I thank you for this beautiful example, this meal that we, that, that you, you've laid out in Exodus chapter 12. You brought salvation to your people. But ultimately, we know, and Jesus portrays, this points to me. I mean, that's what the book of Hebrews is about. All these things point to the greatest sacrifice, the great high priest. And I just pray right now, Lord, that this coming April, when Jews around the world are having this meal, we ask, Holy Spirit, that some would say, wait a second. This does point to Jesus. I pray somehow, Lord, I don't know how you can do it. You're beyond me for sure, but I pray whether it's through dreams or through people, through witnesses, through Jews for Jesus, whatever it is, I pray that a handful of Jewish people would see the Messiah. As we pray in your name, amen. Amen. All right, now typically at this meal, this would be a meal of true unity leaning together drinking of the same cup but that's not what's happening right now at this meal this night there is really not much excitement or joy instead the atmosphere is filled with confusion worry about the fate of jesus the master he's been dropping all these little hints saying guess what someday i'm gonna die and they're like wait a second well, no not you all right, all this is happening. They're worried. And to make things more uncomfortable, Jesus begins with a horrific statement that someone here at the table is going to betray me. Let's take a look at this. Verse 17. When the evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. When they were reaching, reclining, sorry, at the table eating, he said, truly I tell you one of you will betray me one who is eating with me they were saddened and one by one they said to him surely you don't mean me that, that, that can't be me it is one of the 12 he replied one who dips bread into the bowl with me the son of man will go just as it is written about him but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't reassure people. Hey, is it me? Don't worry, it's not you. Okay, I just, don't worry, it's the, guy, oh, it's the guy that drives us nuts. They all ask, is it me? He doesn't reassure anyone. What horror that must have been at that table. And we will cover more of that next week. So we got some betrayal going to happen. Now let's look at verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is 
poured out for many. He said to them, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. To understand this story, take your Bibles and let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Genesis, Exodus. It's an easy one to find in the Bible. Second book of the Bible there, Exodus 12. And it's, honestly, if you read Exodus 12, and my, my homework for you, I like how Pastor Aaron gave you homework to read all of Genesis, which I hope some of you did. It's an easy read. 50 chapters. I'm going to make it a little easier just read one chapter for you this week, okay? But chapter 12 is unique because it's written... Moses writes this where he's talking real time, but then he pauses and goes, but in the future, do this to remember it. Have this as part of your meal. Now back to real time. In fact, maybe what I'll do next week is I'll, Stacey, if you can remind me to do this, I'll make a sheet of chapter 12 so you can see real time and future time, okay? So he integrates this real time story with Ritual instructions for the future. For the future years carrying out this Passover observation here that they were supposed to do. God's purpose in the plague. So again, we got these plagues and we know the story of Moses and he's, he's trying to get away, get the children of Israel out and they're in slavery and, and Pharaoh's not going to do it. But then God sends these plagues. But the purpose of the plagues, listen to this was not to convince the Egyptians, ultimately to let his people go. Nor was it just to punish them for what they did to the children of Israel, to the Hebrew people. The main purpose of the plagues was to bring a dramatic deliverance of redemption so that everyone would know Yahweh is God, okay? And you read that in the story. This is done so that even the Egyptians would know there is one God and his name is Yahweh. In the first nine plagues, it was to rescue the people, to bring this great picture of redemption coming up saying, look, you're going to be rescued, let my people go. But then the tenth plague, those are pointing to the tenth plague Redemption. The Passover refers to the tenth and final plague where God brought upon the Egyptians the death of the firstborn in each family. In obedience, God's instructions, and that's what chapter 12 here is about. God's instructions were those who believed were to place blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their homes, so the Lord would pass over those homes. The Egyptians' homes were made conscious of God's judgment in the death of the oldest son in each family. Whereas the Hebrew homes, they were made conscious of God's redeeming power as they put blood out of the lamb on the doorpost and quickly left Egypt. 
Again, at the Seder service, we'll talk more about those aspects. Again, the Passover is about freedom through sacrifice. God provides a sacrifice to save those who trust in him. But the nature of this redemption, the nature of sacrifice was very costly. The lamb had to be killed. The innocent would die for the guilty. It's not like, okay, there's, there were many different ways to find, to remove guilt. In fact, you could bring grain. You could do different aspects of sacrifices in the Old Testament. But here, the innocent would die for the guilty. It is significant to note that it's not the sight of the blood. Just get the blood out. Just dump some blood outside and oh, then you'll, you'll be passed over. But the sight of blood painted. It was done. They had to take faith and go, okay, I believe this and I'm actually going to paint this on my doorpost. The blood of lamb was to then be applied as they believe God. And the Lord's judgment would pass over them, like I said, and the house would be redeemed by blood. Here also in chapter 12, which I encourage you, read it this week, are instructions about remembering. Each year the Hebrew family was to observe and remember their deliverance from Egypt. They would celebrate God's rescue by a special fancy meal called the Passover meal. And it was to be the retelling of the Exodus story. The Exodus event symbolized in different aspects of the meal, which we will see at the Seder service we do. God's love for his people should be remembered and reenacted. Not just talk about it, but let's give you an example, a tangible way to remember this. And the Passover meal was anticipation also, not just of what God had done, but what he will do in the future. The Jewish people, there's a new hope of a new exodus, a future Savior would come. And I ask that you continue to pray for those that they would see him. What the cross event is to the rest of the New Testament, the Exodus event is to the rest of the Old Testament. Giving you this example before, but here's the Old Testament story. God chose some people. They were in bondage, in slavery. And God called the deliverer, Moses, to come and deliver his people. And it was through the blood of the Lamb that he rescued them. And now they're on the way to the promised land, right? That's the Old Testament story. Here's the New Testament story. God has his people. But they were in bondage. And God called the deliverer, amen, I'm getting goosebumps, Jesus. And he, by the blood of the lamb, rescued his people. And they are set free. And we are on our way to the promised land, amen? Same story. Let's go back to Mark chapter 14. Exodus powerfully expresses God's way of deliverance out of bondage into wonderful freedom with the death of the firstborn, which is tragic. In the Old Testament story, 
all, but is wonderful in the New Testament. The Last Supper clearly reflects Christ's way of providing deliverance out of bondage into wonderful freedom. With the death of Christ, the firstborn over all creation, Colossians chapter 1, and Christ being Calvary's Passover lamb, the story is complete. The Last Supper is the New Testament version of the Passover meal. And Jesus transforms the Passover meal. Look at those verses, verse 17 following. Now this is my body, this is my blood. To remember God's work anew and deliverance for what he is about to do on the cross. Christ is the one sacrifice that fulfills what the Old Testament has been pointing to. For Christ, again, here's that verse, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Again, my sin deserves the wrath of God, period. And out of that, God comes and says, I will take your place. We look to Christ as our Passover lamb, the innocent for the guilty. Our sins are forgiven. God's the one who provides. And the shedding of his blood, when accepted in faith, delivers us from judgment. His blood, when accepted in faith, delivers us from the judgment of death. So we have communion. Believers share the Last Supper to remember Jesus' life and death and proclaim this until he comes. God's love for his people should be reenacted symbolically. Not just talked about, but let's reenact what God has done. And these elements testify about the past activity of God. I love this. 1 Peter chapter 1. I've got it up on the screen here. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. This is a picture of the beauty of Christ. Maranatha, we are part of a denomination, the, the Evangelical Free Church of America. This is a statement, this is part of one of our statements of our statement of faith, what we believe. The Lord Jesus mandated two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. When, which visibly and tangibly expresses the gospel. Though they are not the means of salvation, doing this doesn't save you. When celebrated by the church in genuine faith, these ordinances confirm and nourish the believer. And that's what we do today. So I'm going to set this down, and if you could grab your little cups that we got for you. And we also do have gluten-free in the back. If you needed that, just put your hand up. We'll get someone. Kevin can get that for you. Just so you know, there's two tabs. The first time I did it, I kind of messed up. There's the really thin, clear one, 
And then the headroom. So let's get that one. That gets the little wafer out of there. We here at Maranatha have open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of our church, but you've got to be a member of God's family. So children, if you've put your trust and faith in Christ as the only way of salvation, join us. But some children here may not understand that and be too young to understand that. And we pray that you would come to know Christ as Savior. The bread reminds us, reminds us of his body. As we see the bread will be broken, torn. In fact, that, that piece I have there, I would have to tear it. We are to remember that his flesh was torn by the nails in his hands and feet and the spear shoved in his side, torn and broken. So let's take this remembering the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. If you're able to slowly open this next part, Let me just a little, do a little side note about what we have here. This is grape juice. This isn't wine. And someone uh, a couple weeks ago asked me, why, why don't you guys do wine? Well, there, there's a few reasons. In fact, in America, most Protestant churches, we do grape juice. Whenever I go overseas, I'll never forget. And there's some that are in this room, I think, today. When you were in high school, you went overseas with me to Bolivia. And we did communion. I'll never forget. In, in Bolivia, they have wine. So I'm with, you know, all the kids, you know, time to do communion, we do communion. I remember their first step, they like, their eyes, whoa, that's not grape juice. <clears throat> Am I in trouble? No. For us, we use grape juice, which is fruit of the vine. We don't use wine. I think one of the main reasons for me, I'm strong on this, we live in Wisconsin where alcohol is a problem. Alcohol is a big problem. My mom, man, controlled her life for years until she was able to break free from that. So we have grape juice because maybe there's someone in this room that like, I've, I've been five years clean. If that's you, praise God, amen? We don't want to bring you to any temptation. If you want to study more of that, read 1 Corinthians chapter 8. That could maybe help out a little bit. The cup. This reminds us of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed because of me my sin because of you your sin there cannot be forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood and we together we drink this remembering that God Working through his son Christ. He is reconciling the world to himself. And now we have the new covenant in his blood. Let's take this together. I'm going to close. We're going to have the worship team come up. You guys can come up now, and we're going to have two songs in closing.
This is what's great about today. We are reminded that you can't do it. You can't save yourself. The only way is through Jesus Christ. We're reminded that the Old Testament was a great portrait, a great picture. All these aspects were pointing to the beauty of Christ. And we're reminded that it's in Christ alone. We're not just reminded. We reenact that his body was torn and broken for me. That's humbling, isn't it? And that his blood was shed for me. How could I not worship him forever? Amen. How could I not, like in the Passover meal, after they do certain things, they stop and go, let's turn to Psalms chapter 13, 16, and sing it out. There's one God, and he's a savior of all. He's redeemed us. So let's end in praise and worshiping our great God. Join us and stand as we sing these last two songs.